Welcome to Beth Takun and our study of the book of Yehoshua, Joshua. This week we're in chapter 7. In this chapter we read of Achan's sin and Israel's failed attempt at conquering Ai and how it is dealt with. The story of Achan is connected to the preceding conquest of Jericho where Achan violated the harem, the things meant for destruction and to the subsequent conquest of Ai, which can only succeed once the perpetrator is caught and punished. So, open your Bible to Joshua 7, and let's dive in. And this time I'll be reading from uh, David Stern's Complete Jewish Bible translation. So, Joshua 7. But the people of Israel misappropriated some of the goods set aside to be destroyed. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zavdi, the son of Zerach, of the tribe of Yehuda, took some of the things reserved for destruction. In consequence, the anger of Adonai blazed up against the people of Israel. Yehoshua, or Joshua, sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is next to Beit Aven, east of Beit El, telling them to go up and spy out the land. So the men went up, reconnoitered Ai, returned to Yehoshua, and said to him, Don't have all the people go up, but let perhaps two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. There's no point in making all the people exert themselves to get there, because there are only a few of them. So from the people, about three thousand men went up there, but they were routed by the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed some thirty-six of them and chased them from before their gate all the way to Shevarim, attacking them on the descent the hearts of the people melted and turned to water. Yehoshua tore his clothes and fell to his face on the ground before the ark of Adonai until evening, he and the leaders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Yehoshua said, O Adonai Elohim, why did you take the trouble to bring this people across the Yarden, the Jordan, if you meant to hand us over to the Imori and have us perish? We should have been satisfied to live on the other side of the Yarden. O Adonai, what can I say after Israel has turned their backs and retreated before their enemies? For when the Kena'ani, the Canaanites, and the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe us off the face of the earth. What will you do then to save the honor of your great name? Adonai said to Yehoshua, Stand up. Why are you lying there face down? Israel has sinned. Yes, they have violated my covenant, which I commanded them. They have taken some of what was to have been set aside for destruction. They have stolen it, lied about it, and put it with their own things. This is why the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs on their enemies because they have come under a curse. I won't be with you anymore unless you destroy the things meant for destruction that you have with you. So get up. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For here is what Adonai, the God of Israel, says. Israel, you have things under the curse of destruction among you, and you will not be able to stand before your enemies until you remove the things that were to have been destroyed from among you. Therefore, tomorrow morning you are to come forward, one tribe at a time. The tribe Adonai takes is to come forward, one family at a time. The family Adonai takes is to come forward one household at a time, and the household Adonai takes is to come forward one person at a time. The person who is caught with things in his possession that were reserved for destruction 
is to be burned to ashes, he and everything he has, because he has violated the covenant of Adonai and has committed a shameful deed in Israel. So Yehoshua got up early in the morning and had Israel come forward one tribe at a time. And the tribe of Yehuda, Judah, was taken. He had the families of Yehuda come forward and took the family of Zarchi. He had the Zarchi family come forward by household leaders, and Zavdi was taken. He and his household came forward one person at a time, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zavdi, the son of Zerach, of the tribe of Yehuda, was taken. Yehoshua said to Achan, My son, swear to Adonai, the God of Israel, that you will tell the truth and confess to him. Tell me now, what did you do? Don't hide anything from me. Achan answered Yehoshua, It is true, I have sinned against Adonai, the God of Israel. Here is exactly what I did. When I saw there with the spoil a beautiful robe from Shinar, five pounds of silver shekels, and a one and a quarter pound wedge of gold, I really wanted them, so I took them. You will find them hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Yehoshua sent messengers who ran to the tent. It was all there, hidden in his tent, including the silver underneath. They took the the things from inside the tent, brought them to Yehoshua and all the people of Israel, and put them down before Adonai. Yehoshua, together with Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerach, with the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and everything he had, and brought them up to the Achor Valley. Yehoshua said, Why have you brought trouble on us? Today Adonai will bring trouble on you. Then all Israel stoned him to death. They burned them to ashes and stoned them. Over him they piled a great mound of stones, which is there to this day. Finally, Adonai turned away from his fierce anger. And this is why that place is called the Valley of Achor to this day. So an interesting episode uh, in the story of Israel here. And before I get into going through it verse by verse or section by section, I want to bring your attention to two important words. One um, uh, is one that, that exists in this chapter many times. Um, And it actually occurs 13 times in Joshua overall, the most it appears in any other book of the Hebrew Scriptures. And that book is Cherem. Cherem is uh, what is referred to or what is translated as uh, things that are set aside to be destroyed. Um, Back in in the previous chapter, there was a ban on on, on certain items, the spoils of war, right? This is what this is talking about, Cherem. So those are things that are set aside to be destroyed. The other word I want you to think about is another word related to it, uh, though not in root form, the word kadosh. Kadosh, we know, of course, is a word that means set aside um, for a holy purpose. This chapter, I believe, is, is contrasting these two things. Israel is kadosh la'adonai. But here we have a problem with cherem, things that are set apart for destruction. So keep those two in mind as we we move through this. Verse 1 in chapter 7. But the people of Israel misappropriated some of the cherem. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zavdi, the son of Zerach, of the tribe of Yehuda, took some of the cherem. 
In consequence, the anger of Adonai blazed up against the people of Israel. So, one man's sin causes the nation to suffer. There's a connection here between individual and national responsibility that we'll get into a little bit more down in this chapter. But um, the idea being that when one of us sins, that uh, when one of the Israelites sins, the whole nation suffers. So when one of us sins, how much does our sin affect those around us? How much do or should we as a whole take responsibility for the sins of an individual in our community? How do we fail each other in permitting hidden sins or sins of any kind to flourish in our midst? This is also part of the lesson here, I think, of this of this episode. This thing that happened to Israel is a real wake-up call uh, to to Israel and to us as to the consequences of disobedience and how it can have wide-ranging effects, negative effects. Moving on, uh, the next few verses are the account of the failed attempt to conquer Ai. Yehoshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is next to Beit Aven, east of Beit El, telling them to go up and spy out the land. So the men went up, reconnoitered Ai returned to Yehoshua and told him, Don't have all the people go up, but let perhaps two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. There's no point in making all the people exert themselves to get there, because there are only a few of them. So from the people, about three thousand men went up there, but they were routed by the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed some thirty-six of them and chased them from before their gate all the way to Shavarim, attacking them on the descent. The hearts of the people melted and turned to water. So here we see... Uh, the first time that Israel is melted. We've, we've heard about, we've read about how the, uh, the nations have melted uh, when f- confronted by Israel in previous chapters. Here we see Israel getting a taste of that melting. Uh, I'm sure they were not happy about it. And so even though the Canaanites had melted, their, their morale was down, their resolve was down, they weren't going to unconditionally surrender. There was still some fight in them, right? So it may be that the Canaan or the, the Israelites had uh, underestimated I's ability to fight at all. Um, plus, of course, we know that, that God just didn't show up for this battle. We'll see why in a minute. But all that to say that the Israelites may have been a little cocky, been a little uh, full of themselves in, in attacking I, because it's small. Let's just take a little bit of our of our army, uh, and then to find out that, that they could actually do some damage caused them to really uh, question what it is they were doing. It was, it, they were really shooken up, I, I would imagine. Verse 6, Yehoshua tore his clothes and fell on his face on the ground before the Ark of Adonai until evening, he and the leaders of Israel, and they put dust or dirt on their heads. So yeah, so Joshua was, was shook here. He was shaken. He, he must have made the reasonable assumption that the nation had been faithful. Um, he was probably ca- trying to calculate in his mind, why, why, why did this happen? What's going on here? Why is it that we're, we're failing? We're not succeeding like we did before. Um, that only one man in a nation of millions 
would sin or would disobey is a remarkable thing. And so Joshua must have had a sense of the remarkable faithfulness of his people before this battle. There must have been other indicators. I'm sure he got reports from, from the heads of household, the leaders of the tribe, and observations he made that he could tell, like, this is a people who is largely, you know, more than 99.9% faithful to the commands of God. So that's probably going through his head as, as his army is retreating and coming back to the camp. Like, what, what is going on? This is, this is not right. Verse 7, Yoshua said, O oh, Adonai Elohim, why did you take the trouble to bring this people across the yard and if you meant to hand us over to the Amori and have us perish? We should have been satisfied to live on the other side of the yard. So from his perspective, again, he's like, okay, we're meeting this standard. From, all, from, from, from his perspective, we're meeting this standard. We're doing everything right. Why is this not working? This is, this is too much. Verse 8, Oh, Adonai, what can I say after Israel has turned their backs and retreated before their enemies? For when the Canaanites and the other people living in the land hear about it, they'll surround us and wipe us off the face of the earth. What will you do then to save the honor of your great name? Because Joshua is a brilliant military strategist, this, is, this, is, this makes sense. They've had a huge victory, a, a, a wonderful victory, a, a remarkable victory in Jericho. And here they are going against a smaller, uh, a smaller band, a smaller army, and losing. This does not send a good signal. This is, these are not good optics uh, if, you're, if you're in a war uh, or going into a land to, to conquer at all. This is not good. This, this should not get out. Um, verse 10, Adonai said to Joshua, Stand up. Why are you lying there face down? Israel has sinned. Yes, they have violated my covenant, which I commanded them. They have taken some of Cherem. Uh, they have stolen it, lied about it, and put it with their own things. Okay, so before we go on, I, I, I want to task you with something. Compare Achan, Achan, to Rahab. There are, I believe, and I've, I know Grant has shared this before, there are at least seven relationships between these two individuals. These are individuals, right? An individual in, 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 uh, uh, in Israel and an individual in Jericho. Israel being Kadosh, Jericho being uh, idolatrous, sinful, depraved, all the complete opposite. But there's an individual in each and we can compare and contrast these two. So I, I challenge you to do that, and I'll, go, I'll, I'll give you one to start you off. Achan, Achan, was likely an openly righteous man who had a hidden sin. Rahab was an openly sinful woman who secretly aided Israel. So there's one. There's one of those relationships, or maybe that's two, one or two. But go ahead and, and I challenge you to do that. Achan and Rahab, compare those two and see what pattern emerges. Moving on, verse 12. This is why the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs on their enemies because they have come under a curse. I won't be with you anymore unless you destroy the harem, the things meant for destruction, that you have with you. The 
the line, they turn their backs on their enemies. I think this is, this is an important picture in our battle against sin, our battle against the enemy. Never take your eyes off the enemy. Never, never turn your back on the enemy. Uh, things are never going so good that you can forget that you are in a battle. So that is a mistake, uh, number one. Don't presume that you have your sin under control. Don't presume that. Because the moment you do, that's when the enemy attacks and says, nope, okay, yeah, your guard is down, you're weakened, and I'll take full advantage of that. That's what the enemy does. Um, so don't, do not go so easily into battle every day. Be, be ready, be ready. Verse 13. So get up, consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for here is what Adonai, the God of Israel, says. Israel, you have cherem, things under the curse of destruction among you, and you will not be able to stand before your enemies until you remove the cherem from among you. Okay. Cherem, again, is things set aside for destruction. What do I carry with me that should be destroyed? What do you carry with you that should be destroyed? What am I hiding? What are you hiding? What are we hiding? What am I not being transparent about that could lead to God withholding or withdrawing his help from me, my family, and my people? It really is that serious, truly. That's harem. Kadosh, things that are set apart for a holy purpose. Remind yourself daily that you are to be sanctified, consecrated for the day and for tomorrow, and remove the harem. Find it, search it out, and remove it. We're not kadosh if even one of us retains harem. I affect the holiness of my people, the holiness of my family, the holiness of myself in my hidden sin, in my retention, my holding on to hidden sin. The stakes are high, people. We, we've, we've got to get this into our brains, into our hearts. So keep that in mind. The next time you're tempted to disobey, even in seemingly innocent ways, uh, Akan knew he was disobeying. But there must have been some justification, some reason he gave, some voice he heard, some lie that said, oh, this is okay. You, you can do this. Go ahead. Be on guard. Be on guard when that happens. Um, moving on. Verse 14. Therefore, tomorrow morning you are to come forward one tribe at a time. The tribe Adonai takes is to come forward one family at a time. The family Adonai takes is to come forward one household at a time. And the household of Adonai, the household Adonai takes is to come forward one person at a time. The person who is caught with harem in his possession is to be burned to ashes, he and everything he has, because he has violated the covenant of Adonai and has committed a shameful deed in Israel. Verse 16. So Yehoshua got up early in the morning and had Israel come forward one tribe at a time. The tribe of Yehuda was taken. He had the families of Yehuda come forward and took the family of Zarchi. He had the Zarhi family come forward by household leaders, and Zavdi was taken. He had his household come forward one person at a time, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zavdi, the son of Zerach, 
of the tribe of Yehuda was taken. You know, God knew that, that Achan had, had taken the, the cherem, and he could have told Joshua exactly who it was. Instead, he had Joshua go through this exercise, this exhaustive investigative process that went five degrees down from nation to tribe to family to household leader to individual. The lesson here, I think, is an interconnectedness of the individual to the nation or to the community. Achan is Israel. Israel is Achan. Rabbi Eliyahu Eliezer Dessler, an early 20th century Orthodox rabbi, offers this explanation for the culpability of the nation. People sin when the prohibited behavior does not seem totally unacceptable. But no one commits acts that are universally regarded as abhorrent. If Israel as a whole had had the proper respect or complete respect for Joshua's declaration that the property of Jericho was forbidden, there would not have been an Achan who dared steal some of it. Moreover, his family and presumably some others knew but did not restrain him. This showed that the entire nation was deficient so that God removed his protection. The whole nation in the terms of the culture, the values, what was important to the people as a whole. You know, we all live in societies comprised of particular sets of values and prohibitions. In my own society, for example, gossip is not considered abhorrent, even though it should be. Um, But cannibalism is. So gossip is prevalent. It's everywhere, right? Even I probably do it. But cannibalism is unheard of. I mean, it's, it's, it's reprehensible, abhorrent, like just crazy. So let's not rely on society to inform what we value or what we prohibit, as Achan may have. Be aligned with God's values and with God's prohibitions. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. Verse 19. Yehoshua said to Achan, My son, swear to Adonai, the God of Israel, that you will tell the truth and confess to him. Tell me now, what did you do? Don't hide anything from me. Yehoshua, or Joshua here, of course, is a picture of Yeshua. And he says this, confess to God. Tell me, don't hide it from me. Confess to Adonai and do not hide it from Yeshua. Do not hide your sin from me. Confess to God and tell him. Don't hide it. This was hidden sin, for sure. Hidden from everyone, of course, but God. But here we see in this story, confession is not sufficient to remove God's wrath. Not until the sin is put to death, not until the perpetrator is caught and punished, will God's wrath be stayed. Confession is the first step, but don't stop there. 
One of my favorite passages in the Psalms is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Moving on, verse 20. Achan answered Yehoshua, It is true I have sinned against Adonai, the God of Israel. Here is exactly what I did. When I saw there was the spoil of a beautiful robe from Shinar, five pounds of silver shekels, and a one and a quarter pound wedge of gold, I really wanted them, so I took them. You will find them hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. What was at the root of Achan's sin? Was it simply greed? I mean, he says here he just wanted them, so he took them. That, that's, that seems incomplete. Um, was it simply greed? Because it was such a harsh punishment, right? I think part of, part of how we get to the root of his sin we can find in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. For God himself has said, I will never fail you or abandon you. Therefore, we say with confidence, Adonai is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can a human being do to me? Could it be that fear was the sin that motivated Achan to disregard the ban, to disobey and take the money? If so, what did he fear? Did he fear actually being hurt by the by the, the peoples of the land of Canaan? And why? Did he not trust that God would do what he said he was going to do? Lots of questions. And regarding this confession, it's, it's, it's incomplete. How many times have we repented of our specific actions but didn't change our ways? Right? Perhaps you've apologized for gossiping about someone, which is good. That's good. You should apologize for that. But does it get to the root of why you did it? Maybe you've repented of consuming pornography. Great. Hallelujah. But what led you there in the first place? Go deeper. Find the trigger. Identify the lie. There we'll find the root. There we'll find what has led us to the sin. Verse 22. Yehoshua sent messengers who ran to the tent. It was all there, hidden in his tent, including the silver underneath. Yehoshua sent messengers. Yeshua also sends messengers, right? He sends messengers of God to find the hidden sin. I would ask you not to fear them. Who are they? Most likely, they're the people sitting next to you in your home fellowships. They're the people you know. The people, the godly people, the godly men and women who are in your life, they are the messengers who will help seek out the hidden sin in your tent. 
Let them. Don't fear it. Let them do it. In verse 23, they took the things from inside the tent, brought them to Yehoshua and all the people of Israel, and put them down before Adonai. They spread it out in the light of day so all could see. The light is good, and these messengers are our help from God. They saw them fully. Everything's, they saw everything fully, all, all that had been taken. And again, the messengers will help you root out the hidden sin. Because, and, 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 and it's good to let them because they, they are suffering from the sin as, as you are. Because our hidden sin is not only uh, ours to deal with. It does affect everyone. Verse 24. Yehoshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerach, with the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and everything he had, and brought them up to the Achor Valley. Achor. Achor is a word that means to bring trouble upon or bring evil upon. And there's a connection here with a passage in Genesis. This is the first instance of this word being used in the Hebrew Scriptures. Genesis 34, verse 30. But Yaakov said to Shimon and Levi, You have caused me trouble, Achan, or Achor, I'm sorry, Achor, by making me stink in the opinion of the local inhabitants, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, since I don't have many people. They'll align themselves together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. They replied, should we, should we let our sister be treated like a Zona? This, of course, is the, uh, is the episode of Dinah being raped and her brothers coming uh, and killing. There are several connections here with what is going on to Israel at this moment. Um, one is that, that Shechem, which is where this was taking place, Shechem is in Canaan, so it was in the land of Canaan. The actions of Jacob's sons brought evil upon himself and his house. So not only, not only their sin affected them, but it's affected the whole, all the people, the family. And three, in the next verse, Dinah is compared to a Zona, a prostitute like Rahab. That's what she was, a Zona, a prostitute or innkeeper. So this word has historical context for Israel, that they would call it Akor Valley, um, has, has some deep meaning to them from their history as well as from their present circumstance and what was going on. Verse 25, Yehoshua said, Why have you brought Achor trouble on us? Today Adonai will bring Achor trouble on you. Then all Israel stoned him to death. They burned them to ashes and stoned them. Over him they piled a great mound of stones, which is there to this day. Finally, Adonai turned away from his fierce anger, and this is why that place is called the Valley of Achor to this day. Going back to the point about individual and national responsibility, I think there's a tie-in here with these two verses in that it flips back and forth from a singular to a plural pronoun. Um, let's see, uh, then all Israel stoned him, 
Achan, to death. They burned them, presumably the garments, his tent, things, to ashes, and stoned them. Now we know that the, uh, the punishment was that the individual who sinned was to be put to death and his possessions were to be destroyed. So it's unlikely that stoning them meant his sons and daughters, even though his sons and daughters were mentioned um, in the verse beforehand. So we'll say that stoned his cattle, his, his livestock. And then again, back in verse uh, 26, over him, Achan, they piled a great mound of stones. So again, there's this back and forth, him, them, him, them. There, there's a tie-in that an individual's sin, he's not the only one responsible for it. It's his community, it's his family, his household, his tribe, his nation. We all bear some responsibility for the sins committed by those in our nation. And so why the harsh punishment? Well, if we go back to Joshua chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, we see here why. And I'll read it. Um, They answered Joshua saying, all that you've commanded us we will do and wherever you send us we will go. Verse 17, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with us as he was with Moses. Verse 18, Anyone who, rebels, anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So here it is. This is why. He was disobedient. Achan disobeyed. For greed, for fear, whatever. It led to a disobedience which was uh, punishable by death and that had been established. So We have been bought with a price, haven't we? We're not our own. We are set apart for God, holy to God, kadosh l'adonai, and his purposes. But we must do our part to keep ourselves kadosh, to stay away from the harem. We must avoid it, the things set apart for destruction, because those are the things that will destroy. They will bring destruction. So I encourage you to add to your daily prayers this passage from Psalms that I read earlier. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Examine me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is in me any hurtful way and lead me along the eternal way. Lean on each other. Have those of the household of faith those who are close to you, the messengers of God in your midst, find and root out the hidden sin. And may he make us all into the people he wants us to be. Shalom.